0: Happy tenant is a good tenant. We did not intend to be in the property management business.
1: The property management industry is very sharing. We're providing housing for human lives.
2: And life happens to everybody.
3: You don't manage as many properties as I do without the stories. Like six grown men jump back <laughs> like, what the hell was that? Something's about to eat us.
0: You're listening to The Property Manager Podcast, brought to you by Buildium. Real stories, real people. I'm Tony Myla from Buildium, and this is The Property Manager Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Season 2 of The Property Manager Podcast. My name is Tony Myla, and I'm here with Rachel Graham, Director of Marketing, and Fred Tracy, Video Production Extraordinaire. How are you guys doing today?
3: I'm great. We are talking about marketing and we're talking about small business property management. So those are kind of my two favorite things.
0: Yeah, one of the things that we got into with uh, when I talked to Jason Hull of DoorGrow, he's the CEO and founder uh, of a marketing agency that helps property managers, is really how SEO and a focus on SEO uh, could be hurting the property management industry. So you know, being a content marketer, Uh, This was a very engaging uh, animated conversation for me that I really enjoyed and I think it's a a poignant topic for a lot of property managers that spend tons of money on marketing to get their brand out into their communities.
3: Yeah, and I need him to give me the brand of the coffee that he drinks because it just the energy and the, um, the like the chutzpah that he brings to the conversation and for his entire view on the market um, is just it's fantastic. I absolutely love it, and you know you guys know it's because I'm a huge marketing nerd and uh, thinking about these things the way he he is approaching them I think is really great advice for uh, for property managers.
0: Right, because I know we you know, we hear property managers all the time, especially you, you Fred.
1: Yeah, Tony. I've recorded a lot of property managers. I've listened to their stories and how they position their brands, and it can all kind of sound the same in terms of what they do on a daily basis, right? But how they position themselves as their brand—that's the most important part to differentiate themselves from the competition.
3: Absolutely. That's—I uh, couldn't agree more. Because um, you know, if you if you search on Google for how do I market, there's uh, there's kind of the same bag of tricks that gets served up every time. And I've spent. Well, I'm not going to tell you how many years I've worked for uh, for and with uh, small businesses. And what I love about small businesses is they have a passion and such an expertise for what it is that they do. Marketing isn't always one of them. And that's that's why we are uh, here today. It's why Jason's in business and companies like him. But to your point, Fred, like the core of property man- management, there is a there is a certain sameness. And so to stand out from the noise, if everybody is Googling marketing 101 and doing the same steps, being able to stand out being able to differentiate yourself from the pack like in today's world it's critical
0: yeah and that definitely takes creative thinking Uh, and again like you said rachel if you're following everybody else and you're just following topics on google and keywords on google you could sound just like your competition and nobody wants that because you want to stand out so without further ado we'll get right to this episode hope you enjoy all right everyone welcome to season two of the property manager podcast my name is tony Maiella and today i am here with jason hull founder and ceo
2: of doorgrow how you doing jason i am doing fantastic thanks for having me on the show really excited to be here
0: yeah really really pumped to have you on and uh yeah we did a podcast recently with our ceo as well uh so it's good to have you back
2: yeah it was great having him on it was a great episode really cool to connect with him
0: yeah for sure um so today we're going to talk about Uh, a topic that is near and dear to my heart and pretty much any content marketer's heart, I would uh, argue. And the topic is how a focus on SEO and advertising could be hurting your business and is hurting the entire industry's ability to grow. And this is something that I know you've talked a lot about, Jason,
2: right? Yeah, I'm kind of opinionated.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and for all all the listeners out there, uh, Jason is wearing a shirt right now that says in very bold font, SEO won't save you. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, it's got a little hand reaching up to out of the water trying to grab a life preserver. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, we're, we're clearly both uh, passionate marketers. You know, Buildium is all about people, all about focusing on residents. Um, so really pumped to be talking with you today, Jason. So first, I wanted to get a sense uh, of Dorgrove's mission, if you could tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, so our official mission statement, or why statement, if you will, um, is to transform property management businesses and their owners and So what that means is we want to have an impact on this industry as it says in my podcast intro we want to eliminate the BS build awareness and um, And help the best property managers win.
0: That's great. Very very clearly put and well said so first of all I wanted to jump in to talking a little bit about SEO um, and You know, not every property manager really, I think, gets SEO uh, in the first place. So, what it does, what it doesn't do, Um, and so when we talk about SEO, you know, what are we, what are we talking about here?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, really, we could probably just encompass all search engine marketing. But usually, when you ask marketers, like, why should I do content, or why should I do social media, or why should I have a website, or why should it? When you ask them, why should I do any? form of marketing, usually the answer is to, to please Google. It's like you need to bow to the great Google and do what Google wants. And Google is the great God of all things marketing, and it will bless you with leads if you appease the God Google and sacrifice the right <laughs> offerings to it. Right.
0: <laughs> right. And, and in doing that, you know, uh, trying to appease the Google gods. Yes, a lot of money can be spent. And it's not always the, the right thing to do. So, yeah, definitely, and and SEO, of course, when we're talking about search engines, we're talking about Google, maybe a little bit Bing, if you're in China, Badu, but that's not our audience right now, I don't think. Um, right. <laughs> so I, I'm curious when we talk about SEO uh, and content, how has that changed in your view over the past couple of years? Because it's always kind of changing, right? Um, and you know, as Google becomes more inundated with you know queries, uh, you know, bigger companies have already taken up a lot of those larger search queries and really dominated search. Like how has that changed for, you know, business owners, uh, like property
2: managers? Well, I think, so here's some things to point out. So, and the reason the question sort of kind of confuses me, or it seems a little, I seem a little weird is because I don't feel like it's really changed enough. So, so in relation to SEO, um, I think one thing to keep in mind is we let's connect to reality with SEO, right? Because marketers are going to tell you all this hype about SEO. Why? Because that's what they sell. They're selling this they're selling. They want to sell you a website or they want to sell you content marketing or social media marketing or pay-per-click Google ads. And the reason behind it, there is usually SEO. And so they're selling that. So you're not going to fully get the full story a lot of times. And they're believers in it. They're super believers in SEO. The thing to keep in mind is you can go right now to trends.google.com, Google Google Trends, filter for the U.S., extend the time period back to when they first started tracking metrics in 2004. And if you look at from 2004 to the present in the U.S. and put in property management as a search term, you will see that search volume sort of spiked a little bit in it went up a little bit in July of 2011. And then from there on out, since July of 2011, it consistently has been on a decline search volume, which means there's less people searching now per capita than people that were searching back in uh, 2011. I mean, the internet's grown quite a bit since then. Now that that wouldn't be so bad, right? If maybe you know, maybe there's um, there's still enough search volume that it makes sense to do this. But then, if you compound that with the problem of all the marketers pushing people towards search engine marketing, and the increase, the dramatic increase in competition it becomes even more painful to recognize this. And so people are spending all this money towards all this stuff that's focused on SEO being their savior and what ends up happening is they're not getting the ROI that they really were expecting or hoping for because real marketing makes you money, right? But if you're doing marketing that isn't making you money, that's not marketing. That's just wasting money. And so there's a lot of property management businesses that are just wasting money. They're losing more money than they're getting on when they really calculate their acquisition costs on cold lead marketing. The problem is they usually bundle that in with their warm lead referrals and they just look at everything in aggregate. Well, we got on six deals this month. Okay, how many of them came through word of mouth? Five. How many of them came through your, the search, the SEO stuff that you're doing? Maybe like one, right? Actually came through through the you know from that. And so, and then if you calculate all the costs that you're spending, I talked to a gentleman and he was spending $1,700 a month to his web company to do SEO. And and when we did the calculations, he could attribute one deal every other month to being connected to SEO or to his website or to his cold lead marketing, only one, even though he's getting on about six deals a month. So if you calculate, and that's not even including his time to follow up on all the cold leads, wasting time on following cold leads and what his, his time is worth. Nobody factors that in because cold leads take a massive amount of time compared to warm leads to nurture and to follow up and to create that trust. If you just took his spend on SEO and compared it to the number of deals he was getting on, his acquisition cost was 3 three thousand four hundred dollars for one deal okay and he wasn't paying attention to this because he was like well I'm getting on six deals a month you know so so um so when you calculate that, I mean, he signed up like instantly with us. He was like, okay, all right, I'll sign up, right? But the challenge is people aren't paying attention. And so I set up this cold leads calculator to help people see this. Like, calculates their time. It calculates their advertising. And it's like doorgrow.com slash cold leads. They can just go crump plug in the numbers. And it may be good. Like if you have an acquisition cost where you're like, okay, a door cost me 500 bucks. I'll recoup those costs and maybe – you know, three months or something, right? Maybe four months, but if it's thirty, if it's you know thirty-four hundred dollars, uh, I said, how long? How long is that going to take you to recoup those costs? He's like, that's like you know two years of or a year and a half of free management, and uh, you know. <laughs> well, there so, you there you go. <laughs> so I think that's what where we need to keep we need to create perspective around it, and I think the challenge isn't with when it comes to SEO, it's kind of like watching winners at at in Vegas. Like you see somebody getting their snapshot taken next to a new car, confetti's falling down and you're like, oh my gosh, I want that. I'm going to go play the slot machines too. And that's why I jokingly call it the SEO lottery or the SEM lottery. It's the search engine marketing lottery. Like if I go play this lottery, there's a few noisy winners and everybody wants to be like those noisy winners and those noisy winners tell everybody, this is the best thing ever. Look out, look at all my success and all the SEO companies and marketers hold them up on a pedestal and say, look at this, the person that we got all this great success. And then they go and try and play this game and they're like, what's wrong with me? Why am I broken? why is this not working for me? Why is my spouse getting frustrated that we're spending so much money and I'm not bringing, you know, the, the, the bacon home and, you know, and I'm not making things work. Right. And right, right. then they're worse off than if they had not spent the money in the first place.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good point And it's interesting. I mean, with some of the stories of property managers that you've talked to where it's not working for them, is it, has it been because they haven't, Gotten local enough with their approach? Like, have they been trying to target, like, say, keywords or um, sort of more nationally broad keywords versus, like, really honing in, like, to sometimes a neighborhood level um, of, you know, property owners that they might be able to capture uh, in some shape or form?
2: Well, I think first off, people are not looking on Google. There just isn't very much search volume. Even though it hasn't really grown, it really never kind of started. There just isn't a lot of people searching on Google. So here's the things to keep in mind. So the, there we've got all this, these rental properties available, all this potential market share, right? And the first big hurdle, the first big thing that takes away most of that is awareness. In the US, we have a significant awareness problem. Only about 30% of single family residential, according to the iceberg report, are professionally managed. And so what that means is there's 70% I guess that are self-managing and so there's all this blue ocean but those people are not searching on Google and it's because of the awareness problem first so first they're not aware and if they're not aware of property management or that that's an option they're not going to be looking for you on Google. They're just, they're not. So they're like, they don't know what property management really is. You contrast it to Australia where almost 80% of single family residential is professionally managed. It's like the complete opposite. Totally. And property manager is a household word there. It's like saying realtor here, right? You know, everybody knows what that is over there. And so the challenge is there's so little awareness. Now awareness is the first big hurdle that takes the biggest hit. The next big hurdle in property management is perception. So say somebody is aware that property management exists, then they're very likely to have a perception issue with property management. Property management has a very negative perception here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's viewed by a lot of people as something they view it as negative. There's And it's heavily perpetuated in the real estate industry simply because uh, the number one source of complaints at most any board of realtors usually is property management related. It has a bad reputation. They perpetuate that. And I think it's also seriously perpetuated by the pl- people playing the SEO lottery and losing because if you don't have cash flow, you don't have sales you don't have revenue the first thing to go out the window for a property management company is customer service and then it helps perpetuate that problem so I think the industry as a whole is struggling to provide good customer service and it's funny because I talked to I talked to probably thousands of property managers um, and I've talked to hundreds just this year and it's funny because I I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, I'm going to start a property management business, or I, I we, our business is going and it's healthy, and we're the, we're, I'm the only one that can do it right. We're the good one, and everybody else in my market's is <laughs> terrible.
0: Right? Yeah. There's that that uh, spirit of competition for sure, and I think that it's.
2: I don't think anybody wakes up like as a property manager and says, "Today I want to provide bad service." Today, I think that's just what happens when you're struggling to make things work, when you're struggling in your business, when you're spending. Uh, all your money trying to do everything that everybody tells you you should be doing to grow your business and it's not working and that hurts the whole industry. It's painful. And that's how this focus or this addiction to SEO can be hurting your business. And don't get me wrong. If SEO is good and it's it, you're the top spot on Google and you're, you're Goliath in your market. Um, all the Davids can, you know, are not succeeding against you, you know, then it can be Great it can be phenomenal and you know, you're getting awareness. People are maybe you you get whatever search volume is there. But from my experience, uh, even the biggest companies in most markets right now, due to the sell-off that's been happening, are losing more doors than they're getting on, and they're spending every dollar they can towards marketing. They're maxing out their AdWords budgets, they're doing all the paper lead services, they're spending all the money they can on SEO. There's no additional dollar amount they can spend to get more return on those channels. You can't outpace the market with marketing,
0: yeah. So let me stop you there for a second. So as so, let's let's assume that all SEO is really not a good focus for you know your average property manager slash small business, right? Because it's hard to compete, it's hard to rank. Um, we know this is all true. It, it it is. There's no doubt about that. Now, what should they do? Like, so they say, okay, well, I can't. I can't do X, Y, and Z. I shouldn't pay for keywords. I shouldn't really invest too much in SEO optimized content. Um, Where do they go from there? Do they look to social? Do they look to their community and their grassroots? Like, what is what? What do you recommend is that first step?
2: Yeah. So, well, let me paint. I'm gonna. I'll share kind of a metaphor or, or an analogy here. So, a lot of people might be familiar with the story of David and Goliath, right? So, you've got Goliath. And there's a Goliath in almost every market, maybe a few Goliaths. And Goliath has all the best tools. He's got the sword and shield, and he's got SEO and pay-per-click. He's doing social media marketing. He's doing content marketing. He's, doing, he's focused on reviews. He's doing everything, right? Because he can. He's, he's got uh, this crazy big support system, and he's big. He is big and he's muscly and he he has he has all the weapons. Now then you've got mom pa property manager or small property management company. There may be a two to four hundred doors and caught into that sort of sand trap um, where they're dealing with a team and trying struggling to get processes documented and trying to figure stuff out. Or they're in the first sand trap, which is like 50-60 units and they're a solopreneur and they're trying to figure out how to break that first hundred doors, that hundred door barrier. So if they're caught in either of those situations and they're they're like, I'm going to go out and compete as David against Goliath. But it, I'm going to use the same tools as Goliath. I'm going to strap on the same sword, same shield. David's going to get his butt kicked any day of the week. He He just – he can't compete. So David had to have a hack. He had to do something different. And so – if, if you keep in mind that there's 70% blue ocean available potential market share, and then it's killed by awareness, then it's killed by negative perception, and then what's left over, word of mouth catches. And word of mouth works really well in your market if you can build that up. But then after word of mouth, what the scraps that fall off the word of mouth table, the scraps that fall off of my client's table, what's left over – are the the coldest, crappiest, worst leads that are searching on Google that view you as a commodity are incredibly price sensitive. And that's how most people are trying to build their portfolio. And if you build your portfolio on that, you're building a portfolio that may have an operational cost of 10 times that of somebody that has is getting healthy doors and healthy owners. And it becomes even more expensive. So it compounds it. So I think first of all, people need to get to really value themselves and get really clear on what they are not willing to take on, like what they really honestly don't want, because when they take on bad doors and bad owners, their operational costs are significantly higher, and it limits their ability to take on probably 10 good doors when they take on one bad one. So. That's this first thing, I call it the cycle of suck. You take on bad owners, you have bad properties. You have bad properties, you have bad tenants. Even if you do all the tenant screening in the world, if you have bad tenants you get a bad and bad owners, you get a bad reputation. And if you have a bad reputation in your market, that hurts word of mouth and you're only gonna attract more bad owners. And this is where I think the industry as a whole kind of sits, trapped in property management hell, which is the cycle of suck. And so if, to escape this as an industry, we have to change the perception And change the awareness level and the way to do that to go out and create new market share because there's lots of blue ocean right all they need to do is step outside their door and go find where these people are hanging out where is this blue ocean and if it doesn't exist they can create it this could be investor groups this could be connecting um, creating you know luncheons or whatever and identifying who your ideal customer is and uh, doing things to attract them to these events but I think it's going to be networking community marketing outreach Reach prospecting, um, even even cold calling would probably be better than just waiting for something to hopefully come through from Google. Yeah, so it sounds like it's all about the
0: relationship first. Um, it's all about people first. But you know, what you're saying is making sure that you know you don't accept somebody as a client for short-term gains um, and long-term probably you know issues uh, when it comes to you know getting an owner in, in your door that you know. Like isn't really a good uh, a, a good choice that won't make that won't make a, a living situation better for their residents, and the same thing goes for for residents as well. So at that community level, so what kind of uh, I'm curious, what kind of success stories have you heard and, and you've uh, you've witnessed um, and helped your clients do because uh, at that community level.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, if you contrast it with um, most, most companies right now are losing more doors than they're getting on, even if they're doing marketing, I mean, a lot are, are even if they're doing marketing, they're losing more doors than they're getting on. Um, our clients over the past several years have been growing and adding doors. Um, often uh, if they follow everything that we tell them to do, they're adding anywhere from a hundred to 200 doors in a year. And, um, and so, but they love that yeah and they love that and here's the here's the magical thing that this creates though if they if they dial in and shore up all the leaks that exist in their sales pipeline so this is kind of what we focus on is shoring up all the leaks that exist in their front end of their business and if we shore those up it just facilitates and maximizes and helps there be more word of mouth helps there be more warm leads coming in and the and warm leads take very little time they va- take very little time and the close rates very high um you know typically like a 90 percent close rate and, and whereas cold leads it might be like one out of ten like a 10 percent close rate and even if they're amazing at sales they're closer it might they might get to 30 percent if they're a complete you know bad a right so but the hidden killer is time most of these Small business owners don't have time to like, uh, f- to spend full time focusing on follow-up and sales. And to really follow up on 10 cold leads in a week could be a full-time job. I mean, I typically hear to get a contract takes them on average sometimes three to six hours on a cold lead to nurture them, follow up, phone calls, visit the property, convince them, you know, do the closing, you know, to wrap it up. And um, on cold leads, I hear that it's at least half. Typically, And I'll hear anything from something almost ridiculous like 15 minutes to an hour, but it's usually at least half of what it would take them on the cold leads. So time, most of them have maybe five to 10 hours a week. They're actually able to focus on sales with everything else they're doing to focus on BDM type work of business development management and growing their company. And so it really is almost the only option is to do that. And the other advantage is, if they go out and do prospecting and they've got all these leaks shored up in their pipeline, and then, and then they want to turn on the spigot of marketing in this pipeline, it's not spraying out everywhere. They're, they, they're getting a better ROI. So then if they want to do SEO or they want to do pay-per-click or they want to do these things, it makes a lot more sense. But I've seen people turn on that spigot full blast. And one of one of the things I saw come through our Cold Leads calculator once, their acquisition cost per deal was 11, over $11,000. And I was like, how is that possible? I, t- I called this guy up like, this is the worst this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And he said, it's, I said, "How is how did this happen? And he said, we've spent tens of thousands of dollars hiring <laughs> expert marketers, doing Facebook ads, funnels, click funnels, like all like chasing this magical pipe dream that the best marketers are telling us to chase. And we w- spent a ton of money and we've got almost no return.
0: Right, right. It's hard for me to believe though that um, when it comes to social, like that you don't have to be on social as pretty much any company these days because especially when you're talking about being local and word of mouth, you might have to pay if you don't want to pay, but if you're not leveraging those relationships on Facebook and you're not re- leveraging the communities and those those connections on you know Instagram or LinkedIn or what have you, um, then you might be missing an opportunity there. It seems to me, based on this kind of mindset,
2: I think there's benefits to social. Of course, be- the major benefit of social is you can connect with your audience if they are, if there is one, and you can they can see who you are. They can get a feel for you th- because. The the difference between a cold lead and a warm lead is whether they know you, trust you and like you. And so, but a lot of people will use social and they just throw stuff out there. Here's links to stuff about property management. Here's an article about this. They're not putting themselves out there to create that trust. So, But here's the other thing to keep in mind. A lot of property managers are like, I'm going to start a blog and I'm going to use social media marketing. I'm going to do all this stuff and to create content for my target audience and and it's going to make me so much money. Here's the thing to consider. When, when people ask me, should I do all of that stuff? My usual answer is, um, I, I usually say, well, let's look at this from another perspective. How many blog articles and blogs and videos and YouTube channels do you subscribe to of plumbers in your local market? And they always say, none. And I say, why not? They want your business and they want you to be their audience and they want you to follow them on social media. Why, why don't you do it? And they're like, because I don't really care about plumbing. I said, yeah, you need plumbers sometimes, but you don't you don't care about them, and that's how their clients are. They don't they don't care about property management. They need property managers or could use them, but they don't they don't care about it. They don't even care about their property sometimes. That's why they're hiring a property manager.
0: Right, and that's the reality in the U.S. as you as you were saying before. But I think it's pretty interesting that you said that it's it's uh, you know as far as the prevalence of property management and how as far as awareness goes, like Australia seems to have it more right. Um and I, and I don't know if that means that in Australia, <laughs> property managers would do well to be you know posting on social media all the time or not, but I but I think that it's an interesting question is that as an industry, like how do we change that perception? How do we, you know, get rid of and shed the idea that property managers in general don't care about residents um, and that they're, you know, kind of just the only thing they're gonna do is evict a resident or evict, evict a, a tenant. So, how do we change that dialogue? And maybe it's just a matter of time. Um, you know, as far as demographics go and how the US is changing with all of the, you know, with more and more people are renting every year. By I think 2030, we're expecting to have around 22 million renters, uh, you know, with those gains coming mostly from seniors, but also from millennials. Um, And so maybe that perception will naturally change over time. But what, what do you think, Jason? Is it something that you're seeing adapt at all? Well,
2: so you're mentioning the perception issue, but you have to remember, we have to solve the first problem first. The biggest problem is awareness. And so and that's people can't. No, like change their perception on property management if they don't even have one right so we first have to tackle the awareness challenge first and the way to tackle the awareness challenge is to go out and connect with people long before they're looking around on google or online or searching and that allows you this advantage so the things that my clients have noticed is that when you step into that blue ocean and you're able to play in that space and connect with people in that space, you're you're far earlier in the sales cycle, far earlier, long before they're ever going to search on Google, long before you're competing and and you're they're price sensitive and they think you're a commodity. You're able to start connecting with people. They're going to just go with you because you're there. You're who they know and trust and like. And so I think it's going out and creating that awareness. It it means getting involved in like. Um, real estate investor groups or creating real estate investor groups and then as you build awareness you're also creating perception and so I think the real trick and the real secret is to create awareness and so and if you do that what's magical is you live in a space now where there isn't this false scarcity that's been perpetuated and created in the industry right now where everybody's fighting in the red bloody water over the coldest worst leads on Google And you're in this space where you feel free and there's so many fish swimming around like you can you can just connect with people and create relationships and you have business coming in. And so if you're able to shift into that space, what I've also found is my clients are some of the biggest and best contributors. So we created this Facebook community, for example, called the Door Grow Club. And people can check it out at doorgrowclub.com, but you just go – like there a lot of them, there's a lot of clients in there, but there's a lot of listeners in my podcast. And these are people that buy into this idea that the industry right now needs collaboration over competition. And I'm a big fan of that because you, when new categories pop up in, in, the, in business – and property management really is in its infancy here in the U.S. Let's be honest; yep, like it absolutely. really is, like a brand new sort of thing. Even though it's been around for decades, yep. and it, perception-wise, it's a brand new thing, and awareness-wise, it's a brand new thing. And, and you know, you can compare that to other industries that are kind of new right now, which would be, I don't know, like um, vaping and marijuana and like other crazy things. Right? These are new things where people are trying to build awareness and build per- change perception. And so, mm-hmm. Jason, Jason is in California, by the way, everybody. Right. <laughs> right, right. So, so if you look at if you look at this um, property management, when when anything comes new. So let's compare it to some other things that were new in the past. Facial tissue, right? So this company called Kleenex says, "Hey, we should probably stop shoving our boogers into our chest pocket, and we should we should have paper facial tissue." So And they, they so started marking this. They were the first to perpetuate this category and now Kleenex is synonymous with a facial tissue. I'm going to grab a Kleenex even if it's the wrong – that's not the brand name. Google was the first to perpetuate online search and really do that. In fact, Yahoo was a directory, and they used Google for their search results initially. I bet they're kicking themselves now, right? So Google, <laughs> Slightly. Google, like crushed Yahoo. Like they, they, nobody even talks about it anymore, really. So Google um, was the first to build this category of search, and because they built that category, they're synonymous with the category. Property managers have the opportunity to build and create the category in, of property management in their local market right now. And that's, that's like, um, that's a huge, magical and amazing opportunity that should give everybody chills and get them excited about what they're doing in their industry. But if they go play the SEO lottery, they're like, they're just missing it. They'd
0: be fighting a losing battle. So that's, that's a really good point. And, and, I do think it's interesting though, when we we think about those local inroads to be successful and to get that awareness out there uh, for property management in general. Um, you mentioned investor groups. Um, so clearly, when we're talking about you know investing, is that uh, are there any other topics that you would you know recommend that property managers use as you know inroads to different groups in their in their local area or region?
2: Well, I mean, it's really simple. You figure out groups of like who who has, who are your target audience that you really want? You know, if you want association managers, how can you get them all together? If you want association management, how can you get association heads or association groups together? If you want to manage, you know, storage units, how do you get involved with, you know, the storage unit sort of category? You know, whatever you're into, but you got to identify your target audience. Most of my clients don't want those, by the way, but if if that's what you're into, that's what you're into. You have to identify your target audience, like who you really want, and then you've got to figure out how do I get them together or where do they hang out. Now the other thing that is really beneficial is you may not be able to identify where they are or where they hang out or have access to them, so the next question is if you're going to go out hunting and you can't find the game, then maybe you want a guide. So who has access to this target audience? So it could be people that handle home loans. It could be people that lawyers that are dealing with properties that need to be managed. It could be um, obviously realtors that are working with and brokers that are working with investors. And so you need to identify. Who can I create alliances with, relationships with, joint ventures with, partnerships with? Who can who can become my new best friend that can refer business to me on a regular basis and start building multiple engines like that that just feed me money? Yeah, that's a that's a great point, and it's something that I think
0: brokers and real estate agents have done for you know years uh, and have done a really good job at. So, when you start working with a broker, of course, they connect you with their network of tons of people. And so, I think even just taking the, you know, uh, taking that first uh, like advice from maybe one of your broker friends, talking to them about all the people that they know and all the subgroups of people that they deal with could be an
2: amazing first step
0: for, for any property manager
2: to leverage. Like the, the thing to keep in mind, though, is in order to make those relationships work, in order to make prospecting work, in order to make Create awareness and all this. You have to have your leaks shored up in your business. You can't go out and win and do be really successful if you have all these major flaws in place that are very common in the industry. So one of the, the first major flaw that affects at the awareness stage is branding. How many property management businesses have real estate on the tin, and that could potentially be scaring 50% of the deals and leads there that they should or could be getting on right now. People want a specialist. It could be that their name looks like everybody else. They're like their Phoenix Property Management in Phoenix, you know, or it could be that they've they've, they're an acronym and nobody can remember it, or it could be that they're using their blue is their brand like every other company in their market, you know. So if they have there's so many – and there's that's just a handful of the leaks that come with branding, and that's just money going – like leaking every month. And branding has the biggest impact. On the most significant source of leads, which is word of mouth, because the crux of word of mouth is being remembered. And then the next major leak is reputation. Do you have a process for online reviews? To focus on that, are you leveraging tools like GatherKudos.com and other or systems? Do you have a follow-up process with new owners and and new tenants to solicit feedback and leverage the law of reciprocity? Have you been trained on this stuff? This is the stuff we'll work on with clients. Does your website convert? Is it focused on building and creating trust, or are you trying to manipulate Google? Because if you're trying to manipulate Google, then it might not be pleasing people. Guess what Google's goal, number one goal is? To please people. They want to please people because that's how they make money, right? They want to serve up ads. And so they want to serve up relevant content, and relevant results. And so if your website pleases people, you end up pleasing Google. If you just focus on pleasing Google, it's probably going to end up as black hat in the next several months and you're going to be penalized.
0: Well, yeah, if you if you uh, resort to some of those uh, sketchy tactics like buying traffic from from foreign countries or... Um...
2: Well, those are already black hat. <laughs> so let's be honest though, and everything that is now black hat. You used to be white hat. It used to be at the forefront of SEO. It used to be what all the SEO guys would say, hey, you should start backlinking schemes. You should totally do this because Google has page rank and it's all about how many backlinks you have. So then eventually Google released a quality score for every backlink and some people lost their entire rankings because they had all these terrible quality scored backlinks, right? So today's white hat techniques in SEO are the future black hat techniques. And that's the challenge. Is not every SEO company tries it does a good job staying up on that. But the time tested, proven thing that always works is please people, and Google will follow. Like Google will never penalize you for doing what's right and pleasing people generally.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And I think you know when we're talking about these different audiences, and you're talking about understanding who you're targeting. Um, that's definitely important and I think if you're going to as a property manager create create content because it does take a lot of resources to create a quality piece of content that people will like that therefore Google will like um, you know you should make sure that it's what your target audience will enjoy will like will find useful otherwise you're just you know you're competing in this game of generic SEO um, just like a generic SEO race that you know you definitely won't be able to win at so I think that's hundred percent true um, It sounds like a lot of what you're talking about here with brands, it's actually really interesting because, you know, of course, looking at, you know, brand archetypes um, and you're really understanding a brand story is critical. Um, Do you help brands like figure out who they really are and get in touch with that story so that they're able to communicate it at
2: that very core level? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're really big on that. I mean, that's the beginning of our whole program that we focus on. We help them get super clear on their target audience, super clear on their personal mission statement in life as a business owner. So, and then that tr- eventually we help them get we, – we start them out with even a time study to get them clear on what they enjoy and don't enjoy doing to lead them into getting clear on their personal purpose in life. And then that we connect that to what the purpose of the business is because the business exists for two reasons. Mm-hmm. One, to, to – facilitate your personal mission and vision in life as an entrepreneur and if it, if you don't know what that is it can't do that and you end up doing the wrong things in the business and you end up feeling unfulfilled and you end up hating your day to day and it's different for everybody. Um, And you also then don't know what you should be offloading because you don't know which things drain you or energize you You're not really clear on that because you don't know your your purpose And then once you get clear on that you get clear on your business purpose What is the purpose of this business and there's two things right? It's to fulfill you like I just mentioned and the other is to solve a problem for your customer If a business doesn't solve a problem for a customer, it's stealing money (laughs) Like it's that simple. That's why businesses exist is to solve problems for other people and so Um, that, that needs to be clear and focused on like, what sort of problem do you want to solve for your target audience and what difference do you want to make in the world? And a lot of people will say that sounds like really woo woo fluffy stuff, but when you really get into it, those are the businesses that are the most successful. And if you can communicate that message right from the beginning in your sales process with a prospect that level of clarity and that level of transparency resonates so strongly with people. And you have to remember that sales happens, closing deals happens at the speed of trust. And if you can communicate Honestly and clearly and they feel it and they get it and energetically. It's there that this is who I am This is what we stand for. This is our vision as a company They're going to have more trust and sales and deals happen at the speed of trust So you'll close more deals more quickly by getting into some of this woo woo fluffy stuff of getting really clear And then the brand should be an extension of that it should be congruent with you and with your vision and with your with your um, You know with the business owner with with the purpose of the business And when you when you create all of that congruency and you eliminate all that friction through that, it means more money coming into the business. And that's just at the branding stage. When you get into reputation, it backs that up. It creates more warm leads from more channels feeding you a business. It's the new word of mouth, which works really well. And then you you make sure your website builds and creates trust and it communicates this message clearly and answers at least the core three core questions. What do you do and where? Is it what I need? Second question, why should I choose you to do it over somebody else? And and then what do you want me to do? Like what sort of call to action should I take? And if your homepage doesn't at least have those three things, it's just hemorrhaging money right now. And so that's, those those are the basics. And you can go beyond that and get into like social proof and trust symbols and lead capture and and hero photos and, and make sure the website is really on point. Sure, in an in inbound you-
0: sort of way. It's really making sure that you're, like understanding how people are Visiting your site where they're clicking what's most successful what you can do to optimize and to get people um, Really seeing what they want to see um, Along with those branding messages
2: even more just communicating Really what you want people to understand about your company like transparently because people will, will You know come it's not just like hey, let's manipulate everybody coming to the website, right? It's like we only want the clients that we really want And we wanna communicate in a way that the people that really resonate with that would be super attracted to what our website says and says we do. And then then you're getting the right business. You're getting those owners that want to manage and allow you to do your job in the right way you're building a portfolio that's not in that cycle of suck and and the right people will like resonate so here's the thing you know when with uh, attractive marketing or being magnetic in business um just like a magnet if you're not repelling some people you're not attracting people either there, there's if there's no polarity and you're not allowing polarity, like here's who we don't want, and you're not clear and, and not willing to turn down certain business, you're also not going to attract what you really do want. There has to be polarity to be magnetic or to be attractive. And then it, and then your sales process and your prospecting methods, like the, all these things need to be on point. Your pricing need, so should psychologically be effective so you can close more deals at a higher price point. And so these this is kind of the program we'll take clients through to rehab their whole business. And what's crazy is that um, the majority of the clients that we take on, maybe about 60 or 70 percent, even though they've been in business, some of them for 20 or 40 years, are changing their business names as they go through our process, which isn't – it's crazy, but I'm really good at convincing them and showing them all the leaks. And at the end of the day, it's just a financial decision. It's like, what's going to make me more money? And once they can see the problems and they can see – and they know all the rules of how to play a game – Entrepreneurs want to win and they're willing to let go of this, you know, this thing that they feel like is their baby and their child that I might say is ugly and needs plastic surgery. You know, <laughs> that's how they perceive it initially to recognizing it's this robot slave that makes them money and should be serving their needs, not the reverse.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's branding one hundred and one. everybody. And I think that, you know, when you think when you think about um, how to get to the heart of what you want to be. I mean, that's that makes a ton of sense, because if your name isn't communicating that to the rest of the world, then I mean, that's the starting point. Right. Your name, your brand. If that's not doing it and that's not speaking to your target, your target
2: audience, then, you know, what will
0: that's your first step.
2: And that goes even into positioning. I mean, one of the biggest flaws I see in some of the largest, uh, you know, the largest franchise that's out there right now is positioning wise. They're focused on trying to get all of their um, property management companies, franchisees to do three or four different types of management under one roof, which are really, let's be honest, those are three or four completely different businesses. Commercial management, single family residential, multifamily management, uh, associations, they're completely different businesses, they require different processes, probably different sets of expertise and skills and knowledge, and if you're trying to run four races, you're, you're not moving anywhere. And so branding is also a, pr- a process of focusing and narrowing to a niche so that you can really have a laser powered focus instead of be a flashlight that's trying to hit everything.
0: It's great to hear. And if that's hundred percent true. And especially as we think about, you know, our brand and what we like to do for property managers, uh, if we want to help them. We want to give them a technical infrastructure so that they can really automate their business, be as efficient as possible. Uh, so that they, when they grow, when they do do the right marketing, then their, their process will be strong and their operations will be strong so that there aren't leaks, any leaks in that. Because, of course, you don't wanna scale.
2: You don't wanna try and scale before you have a strong foundation. Absolutely, it would be ridiculous to try and grow a property management business without a really good backend like Buildium. It would be absolutely ludicrous. And it's one of the, like, if somebody comes to us and they don't have a piece of software, we're like, you need to get the, get this piece in place. You need this yeah, it's it's completely foundational,
0: yeah, one hundred percent. So you know we 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 talk to property managers all the time and and see that time and time again. Um, and and it's crucial. So all right, to wrap everything up here, I wanted to ask you one last question. If you wanted to if you want to give one piece of advice to property managers looking to uh, innovate their marketing and change things up, what would it be?
2: I mean, that you're making it really easy to just plug myself here. But I mean, the real honest answer is, do something do what works? Like take a look and be really honest. Is what you're is what you're doing working? Like check out our cold leads calculator. Uh, maybe go test your website. You can test your website by going to doorgrow.com slash quiz and you can grade your website and check that out. But just um, and you know, if you and if you want to connect with us and some of this really struck a nerve or sparked some interest for you, we would love to talk with you and you can connect with us by going to doorgrow.com. And, um, and set up a call and let us uh, blow your mind and open you up to a new possibility. Phew, that was a conversation and a half. I,
0: I really enjoy talking to Jason because he has so much passion for what he does. And uh, particularly, I love the part where we started to talk about social media and how nobody wants to watch their plumber. And I think property managers, to a certain extent, face the same challenge. Um, but of course, there's a little bit more to it than, than just that.
3: Oh, totally. Yeah, no. I mean, property managers are interacting with their residents. Um, it's a very, it's a very personal experience that you're creating. It's a very personal relationship, and so property managers have the ability to use social media as a means, not just for showing, like this is a day in the life, but um, providing residents with information about things going on in the local area or um, expert tips for. Um, landscaping or, you know, things like that. And so if you sort of follow um, the 50-30-20 rule that I like to think about, like that's 50% is sharing information that you have access to as a small business owner or as a property manager that your residents might not. And so making that available to them is a, it, it reinforces the relationship because you are sharing something interesting and of value that you have at, at your disposal. Um, 30% can be about your own expertise. Like, hey, I just got certified in X, Y, and Z and sort of talking about um, your specific business expertise. And then the rest of the 20% you can be promoting things. Hey, these are new listings. Please share with your network. Um, If you sort of follow that general rule, it's a great way to, um, to be fascinating on social media.
0: Yeah, and really showing that you're active in the community and making those connections. Uh, you know, not just saying, oh, I did X, Y, Z, you know, uh, today, day in the life type of stuff. But no, how are you an advocate in the community? How are you helping other people? How are you making those connections? I think that goes a long way. Um, and it definitely ladders, you know, right up to the nuance and brand that we're, we're talking about.
1: Yeah, I'd like to point this out too, To Anyone listening who's using social media, whoever your target audience is that you're trying to go after, the tip is it gets a heck of a lot easier to positively influence people when you go beyond just posting things and expecting engagement from that. Here's what you can do. Follow them back, whoever it is. Comment on posts and show them who you are as your personal brand and be authentic. Don't comment for commenting's sake, but bring some level of authenticity to your comments. And when you put yourself out there, Typically, people will engage more with your posts, and depending on the channel, social media's algorithm can potentially favor your posts, which results in more views, engagement, so on and so on. So that is the shift in social media that a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners are capitalizing on.
3: Yeah, no, I think you're totally right, Fred. um, To think about social media in the same vein that we think about um, how we used to think about websites, Uh, it's not enough just to sort of set it up and... you know, occasionally attend to it. You want to make sure that um, social media gives us the unique opportunity to talk directly to the person on the other end of the screen. And so it's not just about, okay, I did a a Facebook post today, or I tweeted. It's about, um, either engaging in or starting a conversation. Um, and I, it's that is exactly where it's at.
0: Okay, so every episode we ask our guest what is their epic story? Because in the property management industry, of course, there are so many epic stories uh, from copper pipe thieves to gerbil breeding farms. We've heard it all here at Buildium. So I also asked Jason what his epic story was and check it out.
2: Oh, man, I have so many stories. I have a whole page of case studies that people can check out if they go to doorgrow.com slash case studies. But um, I mean, w- one that a lot of people get really excited about or that, um, uh, gosh, I-, I could share several, but um, I'll share one. Um, Sterling Davis came to me. He was in, he's in Indianapolis. He had just he had started his business about three or four years earlier and he really hadn't grown um, in those three or four years, he was still stuck in that first sand trap, as I call it, of around 50 or 60 units and couldn't break past that. He was losing about as many doors as get he was getting on every year and he was banging his head against the wall and he had already spent 30 grand on his branding and on his website and everything with another company. And it just wasn't working. And he was also the lowest price guy. He was like trying to be the low price leader in his market because that's what he felt like he needed to do to compete. He was like, "I'll do anything. I need doors. And if he didn't close real estate deals, and I believe he was only making about two grand a month, like he that's not enough to live off of. And so he was he he's like, if his he's like my wife has to work, and if I don't get on a, a you know some real estate deals here or there, like it's not happening. Like we so. And he, he even asked me for a discount. He was like, "Can you just give me this at a discount?" And I could get on. And I told him no. And he came back to me a few months later, and he was like, "I've I've got the money together. I'm going to go all in. I'm ready to do this." And I said, "All right, let's do it." I knew it wouldn't serve him if I let him on, you know, and give him a, give him a discount. Like he he and he worked and he made it. He made it work. He signed up and um, he went through our process. And the, after we launched his website, he um, he went and did a real estate investor group. He used a PowerPoint presentation that we had. Uh, he had downloaded from us to and about leasing, and he scared the crap out of all the investors about handling their own leases. And he got on, I think, a handful, maybe four or five multi, small multi-deals. He closed twenty deals, those twenty doors, that first month after we launched his website. And in six months after launching his website, he was at three hundred units under management. Now that's that sounds incredible, right? But here's here's what makes it even more incredible. He almost doubled his pricing. So part of our program was to you know revamp pricing, and he was this low flat fee you know sort of uh, you know model in his market, or maybe percentage. But he was like he was making you know maybe about fifty or sixty bucks a door. And because average rent was like five hundred or six hundred bucks, so he was like barely making money. And he then sw- he switched his pricing model um, so that he was he had you know some some uh, you know minimum amounts and uh, had some different tiers of pricing and based on what we teach. And he uh, he was making uh, almost double per door from there on out. So these weren't just like cheap more cheap doors the, he was making a lot more per door he in a year i think he got up to four or five hundred units and then he decided he was going to start firing he was like i don't want everything i've taken on and i think he got rid of offloaded at least 100 doors so um he's got a much
3: healthier business you know, as a marketer, I would kill for metrics like that. Uh, I should say that those are, those are definitely not typical. And so I agree with Jason, that was definitely an epic story. But I think the thing that I like the most is um, that he was really encouraging his client to make a philosophical shift in how he viewed his worth, the, the worth of his business. Um, and he kind of modeled it for him too, when uh, the client asked him for a discount, and, you know, he turned him down, you know, Jason knows the value of what he teaches and uh, works on with his clients, and so that was exactly what he encouraged his clients to do um, with his own pricing model and how he went to market. And clearly, it worked.
0: Yeah, and we've definitely heard that a lot. You know, property managers struggle with pricing and struggle with competition in their market. And you know, it's 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 great to 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 know that, of course. And of course, you have to you know make sure your prices are uh, up to par and really support your business. But it's another thing to walk the walk. And that's really what marketing and brand can help a property management business do, is to distinguish themselves so they can charge those prices, so they can show that value. The presentation is is so important. And that's what I loved about uh, Jason's story. All right, so thanks again to Rachel and Fred. Uh, for joining in on this episode of season two and for all of those out there listening thank you for listening to the podcast we of course love your ratings so jump on iTunes give us all the stars you got and uh, we will see you next time